Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids like yours, and all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, exercise, and medication decisions. And all those decisions can lead to big results, like more time in range and lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com compatibility. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. The six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall, and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. This is Live Bet Saturday on VSEN, the Sports Betting Network. Uh, time flies when you're having fun. Third hour of Danny Burke and myself here on Live Bet Saturday. Live Bet Saturday goes nowhere. We'll remain with you as uh, we depart, but still plenty left to get to here in the last 60. A reminder that we are presented by BetMGM here on Live Bet Saturday. All right. Um, so, in terms of updates, because we're now getting into the second half here. Uh, and uh, we haven't really seen a lot of what has happened. We did see a first drive transpire for Arkansas. They have punted it back. So this is a big moment. This is a big moment for me uh, because, again, it's only the third quarter. There's still plenty of real estate. But if you can force LSU to punt this back to you, that you have held Arkansas, LSU to two of seven on third downs, if you don't give up like eight yards on this play and can get them to kick the ball back to you, I'd still be pretty alive potentially in finding myself in a spot that I can get off of a number. And that's going to be an incomplete pass, a drop, though. So a missed opportunity for LSU. They're going to punt this ball away. Man, I just, you got to be frustrated if you're back in LSU. I mean, again, I live bet them, and I I get that it's going to be a little bit of a struggle, but from a fan perspective and from a pre-flop perspective, like Arkansas has shown you no signs of life offensively, JVT. And, yeah, big missed opportunity by LSU, which is a – very easily drop pass. I mean, it hit him in the worst spot, right in the hands. That was the I Madden was quick slant. Throw. That was the Madden yeah, quick was. slant. He was <laughs> wide open, and he just dropped it. Just stone hand dropped it for what would have been a first down. It wouldn't have been a big play, but it was going to be a first down and uh, not the case. And again, too, I mean, look, this is kind of the tale. He's going to get uh, – the Arkansas punt returner is going to get wrapped up here, but still somewhat favorable field position and more favorable than what LSU has been dealing with this entire game, Danny. I mean, what? LSU started that game or that drive right there, like around its own 20-yard line. 
And here we are. Arkansas is going to start at just over the 30. This is getting kind of the tail here for Arkansas. They have been given favorable field position. They are up in the turnover battle. That They have been getting everything to go their way, which is why this game is playing out the way that it is. In-game right now after that punt and exchange of possessions is down to four and a half in favor of LSU. Um, but this is why the Arkansas Razorbacks have been in this. You know, if you look at this statistically, Arkansas has been absolutely atrocious. Uh, but here they are in this game because of the things that have gone in their favor. So we'll keep an eye on that one and everything else as these second halves uh, start to get um, start to get started, essentially. All right, let's talk about some power ratings. And I thought this was interesting. By the way, you can go up on the website, vcin.com. We have a lot of great content up there as usual. Um, again, and Adam Burke, who I would consider a buddy, uh, writes up some tr- tremendous work up on the website, including weekly power ratings in college football, and you can make the game lines from them too. So there were a couple of things that stuck out from Burks, um, the other Burks. Are you guys related, Danny? Yeah, we play on the bit that we're uh, we're stepbrothers, though. You know, we're we're gonna have to do that. We've been trying to recreate the picture from the movies with the sweater vest and everything. So stay tuned. Might have something in the works. Maybe if you go further, far enough down the line, maybe there's something. Maybe have you tried? <laughs> um, I found out. No, I'm not gonna go. It's it's a tangent. It's a ridiculous tangent about my family and the country of Sweden and the uh, the use of a capital V in the last name as opposed to a lowercase v. It's 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 ridiculous. Uh, all well, right. you're selling me on it. Jeez. Uh, oh, trust I, I, I don't... me. There's murder involved. No, there's no murder involved. Uh, all right, Georgia. <laughs> can you imagine Ed Von Tobel back in the day? Good old, good old Uncle Ed. No, uh, I'm not accusing anybody of anything. All right. So the big takeaway here is, uh, I think, and Elliot pointed this out, which is very, I think, the the case. Georgia staying at number one is not the story. What the story is for these ratings, according to Adam Burke, is Georgia distancing itself from the pack in terms of its power rating. According to Adam, a, a power rating of on his scale, 99.5 for Georgia. They are, by Adam's ratings, four points better on a neutral than Ohio State. Would you agree with that assessment that there is a gap? And you can tell me that there's, you know, you know, maybe a little bit less than four, whatever it is, but would you agree with the assessment that it is Georgia, top tier of college football, and everybody else is behind them? It has to be, right? I mean, coming off what they did last season and then the way they just dismantled Tennessee and limited that lethal offense, how could it not be? But, uh, you know, we don't want to fall into traps of recency bias, JVT. And I'm not saying that it's a huge recency bias with the team in Georgia who just won the championship and hasn't lost the game. But the way that they won last week, like there had been a couple iffy spots with Georgia and that happens to college football teams. It's still a tough season, regardless of how great you are. But I mean, think about that Missouri game and eh, maybe they got complacent. So be it. Ohio state has kind of been like that the whole year. Penn state was their biggest test and it was close until it wasn't at the end where their defense just made huge plays. The Northwestern game, I I don't know if you could take that into account as much. I mean, that weather was so wacky that you really couldn't get anything going. So, uh, yeah, Georgia should be the favorite on a neutral site. Four points. I I don't have a problem with that if it was three and a half or four. Uh, Again, I just, man, what do you think of Ohio State's defense, I guess, would be the big question. That's the difference. We know how great Georgia's defense is. C.J. Stroud should be able to still get something going regardless of who they are playing because they have weapons all around. But is Ohio State going to be able to make a stop defensively against a top-tier team? That's the difference to them winning or even covering in a situation like that. I Actually, I th- I think I have more – I think I would say I think I have more questions about 
Ohio State's offense today with their defense, and it's minuscule, right? Like, that's the thing. I, mean, I think mm-hmm. I'm splitting hairs there. But I like this Ohio State defense. I think they're very well coordinated. I think when the way that you look at the difference, right, it's a little bit more exotic, a lot more twists and stunts and pressuring quarterbacks, right, with exotic pressures and whatnot as opposed to just running some basic stuff, I, I think that has been one of the biggest upgrades for Ohio State this year. I also think their schedule, like in terms of what we have seen, haven't done them a ton of favors. Like, for example, right, we watched them against Northwestern last week. You're going to see 21-7, to but the weather doesn't do anything for them here. But look at some of those games in between. Like, they're clearly better than a lot of these teams blowing out Iowa. Uh, That Penn State game in which they dealt with adversity and won somewhat comfortably there. The game against Michigan State, I don't think really represents how big the gap was there because I think that they scored like seven of their first eight drives, whatever it was, against Michigan State. Uh, Same thing with the Rutgers team. Like, they have blown out some of these teams in conference play. It hasn't even been close. I, like, I think I like this Ohio State team quite a bit. I just think that the schedule hasn't done them any favors because they haven't played quality opponents, and it is hard to gauge how good this team is. For sure, and I guess that's why I'm leaning toward, well, this defense, what are they going to be against actually a contender now? Because you look at what happened at Penn State where they allowed 31 points, and it's not like a knock on Penn State. They're a fine team. They're not elite, but they're a fine team. Yeah, the other spots, they limited pretty much every opponent, but Notre Dame at the beginning of the year, whatever, you limited them 10 points. Impressive. Week one, all right. Uh, Arkansas State, eh, whatever. It was early. Toledo's got no offense. Wisconsin's got no offense. Neither does Rutgers, Michigan State, Iowa, Northwest. Western. So that's why I do have some reservations about their defense, but they do look better. I, I will give you that. It's just, they haven't really been fully tested except for Penn state. I mean, look, we can say the same, say the same thing about Michigan, right? I mean, Michigan's schedule sure. has been terrible. And right now, I mean, Adam rates them as the fourth best team in the country. I know he's not alone in thinking that I know last week uh, in terms of his adjustments, he did have Michigan as an underdog to Tennessee. I think we were doing the math. What it was three points, right? The underdog, what, what that was last week. Yeah, I think it, so. And so, like, when you look at it, like, in terms of how you rate some of these, like, big, like, specifically Ohio State and Michigan and these teams who haven't played anybody, I think that's the toughest challenge when you're making these ratings on a week-to-week basis. I would not be able, I think, to tell you anything concrete from Michigan given their opponents at this point of the season. I know some people will find that unfair, but, I, like, I, I do. And, like, you look at some of the ratings, again, these are just courtesy of Adams, uh, but right now, eight-and-a-half-point difference between Georgia and Michigan on a neutral. Uh, we'll see if that maybe, like, extends – but we did see the gap between a Michigan and the rest of the, you know, the powers that be from a season ago. I feel like it's bigger on a neutral than just eight and a half points, but we'll see if that's going to be the case. Wow, Arkansas on just a great fourth and two play loses, I think, 11 yards. So uh, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, been brilliant. On it's been brilliant. Feet. Oh, man. Uh, really quick to your point, JVT, with Michigan, I, I couldn't agree more. You and I are, I mean, you're more of an advocate for it because you got people coming at you on the tweets, but. I do think maybe not that Michigan's overrated, but I think people are just putting too much stock into this team because when you look back on it, it it was that Penn State game, right? They just absolutely dominated despite Penn State keeping it close going into the second half. Then Michigan finally broke open the floodgates and then cruised to a 41 to 17 victory. But you and I were watching that game very intently. Look, Sean Clifford looked awful. It's not like Penn State was doing anything great in that game. It's just... They were terrible. They didn't come out and perform on the offensive side of the ball whatsoever. So I don't care what Penn State's done after that, before that. That was an individual game to where they were just so, so bad. So Michigan still has a lot to prove. I still have questions about the quarterback situation. I think Ohio State's the better team, and they'll beat them, and then we'll kind of put Michigan in the college football playoff discussion to rest. 
A fumble. This is how fumbles tend to be a little random. Uh, a fumble that was out there on the ground does not go Arkansas's way. LSU recovers, so we're going to have a, a second down in that game. And we're pretty much in action in all of our morning games that we're tracking right now. So we'll give you updates uh, as those go along. So, I, look, I think this is interesting. And I also think, too, when we're talking about this in the grand scheme of things, like even a team like Baylor, you, or excuse me, uh, it was Baylor, uh, Oregon, right? You get to see what this team is up against. Let's say Oregon makes a run and makes it into a college football playoff. They're going to be about 12 to potentially 14-point underdogs to Georgia, at least by Adam's own ratings, sure. when they play in a college football playoff. It does seem that it, we're just we're due for a Georgia-Ohio State and or maybe Michigan matchup in a championship-type setting. Who knows? Uh, but it, like, look, I think it's pretty clear at this point. These teams that are now vying for that fourth spot, it's not going out on a limb and saying that um, they're up against it. Can I also point out, though, we've talked about Texas being power-rated as a top 10 team by a lot of folks. Uh, again, that would be in this power rating version of Adam Burke's um, power ratings, seventh best team in the country, Texas, just ahead of TCU. And uh, how about mm. this? Only a two point, two and a half point difference on a neutral, and yet Texas laying a seven at home today. That's, I don't know, man. That That's such a tricky game, and that's such a tricky way to kind of get an idea of how to handicap this spot. I, I'm just staying away from it because I completely get either side. I mean, we talk about the lucky horseshoe, and yeah, TCU has had it, but they do have a very efficient offense, and look, to his credit, a very efficient quarterback, Max Duggan, baby. Texas should have the better pieces, I understand that, but Texas also hasn't been the most fluid team themselves, so I will stay out of this game. It will be a blast to watch. I will thankfully not be sweating either side. Over under three and a half yards per play for Arkansas today. Oh, it's got to be under. 2.8, baby. It's going well. All right, we'll take our break, come back, and get to the rest of the hour here on Live Bet Saturday. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up, picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all, but here's a preview of this week's episode. Nothing to do with anyone personally, but Creighton is the team every year that the nerds, you know, the basketball nerds, they're like, you know, Creighton, you don't watch Creighton. They play, and I'm like, I don't want to watch Creighton because I agree with Shannon the dude today. Creighton's never going to win anything. Stop talking to me about Creighton. They're not never the, not gonna, the not the Big East tournament. They're, well, I mean, they could maybe they win the Big East tournament, but it'll only be luck. But like, they're always like, you know, a sleeper team. That cool. Like that guy who I told you had eight title teams. One of his title teams was Creighton. Is not winning the national championship. It's yeah, I don't not, have him doing that. That like that's why do we all have to act like Creighton is a, is a is a good team. Creighton's like the band they all say you should know if you really knew bands. <laughs> and then they're never at any of those. And then they're never, yeah, exactly. And it comes time for the Grammys, and they lose out to, like, you know, Lil Durk. And you're like, see, I knew Lil Durk was better. Why are you, t- why are you telling me? You see the whole time. <laughs> and this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zigazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Zigazoo is moderated by real live people who review content before it's posted on the feed. Oh, <laughs> 
I especially love the dance challenges. So much fun! Oh, and there's no comments or messaging, so you don't get any of that negativity that's all over other social networks. All oh, my friends love it. I love that it's KidSafe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Uh, that's great, but I wouldn't be doing Zigazoo if it wasn't fun. She would not be doing it if I didn't think her data was safe. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids! <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. There's plenty to celebrate in March. And ex Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save 40% site-wide. Get 40% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. This is Live Bet Saturday on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Welcome back into Live Bet Saturday. I'm Jonathan Von Toll, Danny Burke, of course, out there in Chicago. Let's welcome in our next guest, Chris Benini. He's nice enough to give us some time, senior writer of The Athletic, covering, of course, college football. Uh, Chris, I know you're based out in uh, Dallas, Texas, so let's start with the, the obvious storyline coming out of the Big 12 later today. Texas and TCU. Horned Frogs also a little banged up, waiting for some key injury news before this game starts. Uh, this number's been sitting at seven all week. The betting market's been pretty high on Texas. It clearly views them as a top 10 team in terms of a power rating. Is that accurate in your mind with Quinn Ewers and the Longhorns? I mean, it's not surprising. I, I think Texas might still be top 10 when it comes to some of the advanced metrics, like SP plus and stuff like that. They just really like the Longhorns. And look, it, it's a talented team. And we know that this is the TCU team that fired its coach last year, didn't make a bowl game. But TCU's got talent, too. I mean, Sonny Dykes came in, and he took over a program that was recruiting at the third-best level in the Big 12 behind Texas and Oklahoma. So it, the, the cupboard wasn't bare or anything like that. We've seen Texas jump out to big leads early. We've seen tech, TCU jump out to big deficits early. So I wouldn't be surprised if that happens in this game and TCU needs to make another comeback. All right, Chris, let's talk about this matchup with Ole Miss and Alabama. I really find this one interesting because of the situational aspects on both teams, right? Alabama losing in an incredible fashion last week. Do they bounce back and win in an impressive way? But conversely, then he got Ole Miss fighting for a deep 
bowl run, maybe even playoffs. Who the heck knows what happens at the end of this season? But uh, it's always more of a get-up spot, especially off a of bye week facing Saban. What side do you consider in this game with Ole Miss catching the double-digit points? Yeah, it, I, I don't remember exactly what I picked. I'd have to look it up. I think I went with Alabama just because Ole Miss's defense has been very, very poor all season. It might be the the uh, kind of the the the, the fix for the Alabama offense might be playing Ole Miss. Because, I mean, remember a couple of years ago, when last time they, these two teams played uh, at Ole Miss, it was a 63-48 to 48 game uh, for Ole Miss scoring 48 points. Alabama scored 63. Uh, Alabama's just lack playmakers. Bryce Young's kind of carrying this team. But, but I, I think Alabama usually bounces back from losses pretty well. So, Chris, overall, when you've, like, watched this Alabama team, is it is it overreaction? Is it overreaction? I should say to say that this is maybe one of the like not lesser teams that we've seen from Nick Saban, but there there seems to be some clear flaws with them that we're not generally used to seeing when it comes to Alabama squads. Like the secondary is showing some cracks, the play calling and overall offensive flow has not been great. This seems to be one of the more flawed uh, Crimson Tide teams that we've seen in recent future. Or is that just me being a little reactionary to what we've seen in the last couple of weeks? No, it is. And actually, I looked up my picks. I actually did take Ole Miss getting 11 and a half uh, in this one. I was the only one among our group at the Athletics to do that. So we will see. But yes, this is, it's a flawed Alabama team that just lacks the, the playmakers. I, I mean, I was someone who in the offseason thought Alabama's never going to have holes again because of the portal. They can go out and get Jamison Williams last year. They can go out and get Jameer Gibbs uh, at running back this year. But it turns out that the development of some of those guys as uh, high school players, isn't quite happening. Alabama does not have explosive receivers. Their pass numbers in terms of explosiveness are as low as they've been in years. And that's not because of Bryce Young. He's been trying to carry this team on his back. And then the secondary has been an issue as well. We saw Jaden Daniels uh, make a lot of plays against them last year. Nick Saban said last year was a rebuilding year. He sounded very confident about this team coming in. And yet, this team could have had four losses at this point. They nearly lost to Texas. They nearly lost to Texas A&M. So, yeah, Alabama has certainly taken a step back, and they won't be in the playoff this year. Hey, Chris, here's the game we haven't talked about much, but I actually have some betting interest in it, and I want to hear your thoughts on it. Uh, Auburn and Texas A&M, you look at their records, it may not be the most entertaining game, but, man, I mean, Auburn's fighting for their interim coach Cadillac here. I mean, last week in overtime, it was a tough loss. We've seen the betting market shift their way, giving them a little bit of love now up to about a point and a half favorite, whereas Texas A&M opened originally as the favorite. Do you buy into that movement that Auburn would be the right side in this matchup? Eh, that That's the game I would just personally stay away from because of all those uncertainties that you mentioned, Texas A&M being very inconsistent, Auburn having an interim head coach. A&M had a flu game last year. A ton of guys were out. Uh, I don't know the latest on exactly where everybody is. Uh, that would obviously play a role in that. But, yeah, Auburn fell behind big against Mississippi State last week, Cadillac Williams' first game. But they came back and nearly won the game and, and took Mississippi State to, to overtime. So they've played hard in the, the brief time that we've seen them. I don't know if either of these teams can put up a ton of points. Looks like the over-under is about 48-and-a-half. Uh, it could be some ugly quarterback play in this one. I One-and-a-half, this could go really either way, obviously. And obviously, the betting market's. All right, let's, talk, well. let's talk about a game that kicks off at the same time then. And we were doing blind resumes for Heisman contenders earlier, and one of the ones that immediately stuck out to us ended up being Drake May. 
And uh, he gets to take on Wake Forest, who, by the way, Demon Deacons, I think it's 11 turnovers in their last two games. It's been really bad. What do you make of this matchup here? North Carolina on the, uh, on the road catching four. And May's overall, I guess, chances at winning a Heisman. It's just, uh, statistically, his numbers stack up with a lot of the guys at the top of the board. Yeah, he like he's he's not going to win it most likely, but he could get an invite to New York. I think I think we all kind of watched North Carolina early in the year, the Appalachian State game and stuff like that. Didn't seem very good. Had major problems on defense, and then we a lot of people kind of forgot about them. And but they're eight and one now, and and then like there is an outside shot at the playoff for North Carolina if they win out, if they beat Clemson in the ACC championship game. Um, Wake Forest. Very good team, but just like you said, the turnover is out of nowhere. I mean, they had six. I think it was six in a in one quarter yep. against Louisville two weeks ago, and just everything's been off kilter ever since then. So I, I don't know if it's just a mental thing they got to get over or what, but they were in a very good spot up until then, and then suddenly the last game and a half they've just completely unraveled. Getting four and a half at home, I think I like North Carolina now. Chris, what do you make of this Baylor-Kansas State game? We know that Kansas State's kind of been a scrappy bunch, and Martinez has found new life there. Uh, They're catching two in the hook right now. It looks like the market did show some love for the Wildcats on the road. We Look, we know Baylor's always a tough out, especially when you got to go to their home and play them. But, again, this betting market seeming to have infatuation with this run offense that maybe could present a threat to Baylor's defense. Yeah, Baylor has really figured it out uh, ever since that weird West Virginia game they lost. I think it might have been a Thursday night a couple weeks ago. They, they, they handled Kansas. They blew out Texas Tech. They beat Baylor, uh, Oklahoma last week. They seem to be back on track. Two and a half at home. I mean, I mean Kansas State, very strange team. You, you beat Oklahoma State 48 and two weeks ago, and you, then you end up losing to Texas. I, I, I think Baylor uh, seems to be a bit more consistent right now. All right, let's go to – we actually – we haven't hit on this game at all, and I guess rightfully so because they're a 16-and-a-half-point favorite on the road. Georgia taking on Mississippi State. Who does Mike Leach blame other than himself when this goes wrong for Mississippi State later today? <laughs> you, you, you know, the one thing – like, people didn't think Mike Leach's offense would work when he came to the SEC, uh, but it has. Like, Mississippi State has held its own in the SEC, except against Nick Saban, yep. where – they didn't. They hadn't scored a touchdown until the final play of this year's game was the first time Leach's Mississippi State team scored a touchdown against Alabama City since he got there a few years ago. When, when, when you go up against a strong defensive team, especially someone comes from that Nick Saban background like Kirby Smart does, uh, it probably doesn't spell well for Mississippi State. It's easy to think, hey, Georgia coming off Tennessee, maybe there's a letdown. You know, they have – Played with their food a little bit this year, but I think George is going to have very little trouble today. All right, Chris, I got to leave you with my final question on this one. I'm a Big Ten guy myself, so unfortunately I'll be invested watching-wise with Iowa and Wisconsin. Uh, pick them right now. I don't know who to go with. I know Wisconsin's been looking better coming into this spot, but right when you like to count out Iowa in a situation like this, they seem to figure it out in some kind of gross way. Their defense has still been strong. So uh, who do you lean with there in Iowa City? Yeah, yeah. Th- th- this is a game that has gone Wisconsin ways quite a bit. Iowa's only won it twice since 2010. Obviously, this is a, a Wisconsin team that is down and consistent. And actually, there were some there were some news earlier this week 
that the running back, the top running back at Braylon Taylor for Wisconsin was thinking about possibly transferring. And he basically said, I'm not going to transfer. Jim Leonard gets the job as the full-time head coach. There's some kind of some drama going around there. Iowa, you know, like we all make fun of them, but they've really been a consistent team. And the offense the last couple of weeks has actually been serviceable. So I, I think Iowa at home, they figured enough out on offense to be manageable. I, I think Iowa wins this over under of 35 and a half. I know <laughs> Iowa's every game, every game, it seems like Iowa plays, they've got an over under around 30 something points. It's, it's really quite remarkable. Chris, we appreciate some time. We're up against it, but thank you very much, sir. Yep, thanks for having me. Chris Vanini, the athletic college football reporter. Uh, dare I say, an absolute dime from Brady Cook for Missouri. Uh, to Dominic Lovett for 38 yards and a touchdown, or as Danny would say, a tutty. 28-24, 8.55 left to go in the third. Missouri not going away. Drinkowitz, come on, getting his money's worth here. Let's see if they can pull this off, but 8.55 left to go. We'll give an in-game uh, in update there. Last 30 minutes live that Saturday with Danny and myself coming up next here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. This is Live Bet Saturday on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. College basketball season started, folks. Get our annual betting guide now. Over 400 pages. It's our biggest betting guide ever. Uh, it's trends, power ratings, and more. Our team did a lot of great work on this. Only way to get the guide is to be a VSIN Pro subscriber. Sign up now. Only 99 bucks gets you everything that we have to offer. That, of course, includes this guide and more. Come on, be a VSIN pro. Sign up today at vsin.com slash subscribe. All right, a couple of things. First off, we are awaiting a ruling on the field, and as I am speaking, the ref is talking, so we'll find out. It is indeed going to be a touchdown for Purdue. So uh, the Boilermakers, as we talked about, Danny, at halftime, statistically, every sign point in, uh, pointed in the direction of Purdue. They had outgained them, yards per play, everything, first downs. Uh, it was very much in favor of the Boilermakers, and now they have – a 20-14 lead with the extra point coming. And remember, they were three-point underdogs, three-and-a-half-point underdogs, in this second half against LSU. Or excuse me, LSU. I was watching. I got caught watching another screen. Against Illinois. <laughs> so it does uh, It does look like a very, obviously, good start for Purdue. But you do wonder if Illinois has got anything here because their offense has had nothing against this Boilermakers defense. Yeah, they've had some tough drop passes as well and just have not taken advantage of any of these opportunities. And that's why, as you were just mentioning, you and I looking at this box score going, well, if Illinois is hanging on for dear life, Purdue clearly has the advantage in a lot of these statistical categories. So it seemed like looking to them, especially catching three or more, seemed like the right side. Now, in coming into this game, I was waiting to maybe look at something on the side of the fighting Illini if it got under the key number of three, because yeah, I thought Illinois would win this one, but I didn't want to lay six or six in the hook. And well, luckily for me, I can't bet it, of course, because it's an in-state team. But Illinois just has not appeared to be the right side after they first led seven nothing and had a good defensive stop. It's been Purdue the whole way. They've made good adjustments and somehow have been doing well defensively. I don't know if it's more of a testament to what Illinois hasn't been doing offensively or what Purdue has been doing defensively. But Purdue's defense has really been a poor side of this football team for them the entire year, even in their wins. Like, it's typically a shootout with the Boilermakers. So the fact that they're limiting Brown and limiting this Illinois team says a lot about Purdue and what they plan for coming into this game. Um, <laughs> I was going to make a reference about um, 
like, uh, I don't know, is it like the Crunk Ain't Dead meme where the guy's getting CPR on the floor of the studio and they bring him back to life? Uh, LSU and Arkansas. We might have a little bit of life here for Arkansas. Uh, Cade Fortin is in at quarterback for the Razorbacks. And I don't know if you know this, Danny. You are in football allowed to throw a ball more than three yards downfield, <laughs> and he has done it multiple times, and the Razorbacks are in wow. the end zone. How about this? Kate Fortin coming in and sparking the Razorbacks here. We got a touchdown, 40 yards. I think it's Matt Landers with the score, and Arkansas on the third-string quarterback is now an extra point away from getting back inside. Well, actually, they're inside the closing number, back inside a three-and-a-half that was out there predominantly throughout the week, and uh, what I'm unfortunately sitting on. So here we go. A life in favor of Arkansas. There are no flags on the field, it seems. And I don't think that's going to stand. Potentially, he did step out of bounds. So we'll see if the review actually holds up. But regardless, even if it doesn't, you're seeing a much more aggressive Ooh. passing attack from Arkansas. And I would say that makes a big difference. Yeah, I'm not going to sure. I'm not sure if this is going to stand, but at least you're seeing more aggressiveness out of this Arkansas offense. Well, look at this. It was a Fortin is his name. He's already yeah, five for six for 40 yep. yards, while Hornsby was four of nine for 24. In an entire first half, geez, I mean, yeah, you're right. They weren't taking any chances downfield. And even when they had time to throw it, they were just tripping over themselves or sacks left and right with Hornsby. So at least they have some momentum. But I know you're a little bit ahead of me. I'm not sure if this is going to stand, though. But it does give you a little bit of hope. Yeah. I Matt Eumann's favorite thing, right? Right. Hope. It, it, there's nothing worse than hope, as Matt Eumann's always says. Uh, <laughs> what they're reviewing is before Landers caught the ball, he was forced uh, right near the sideline. So he wasn't out of bounds. Yeah, he wasn't out of bounds. When he caught the ball, he was out of bounds maybe uh, before the reception was made. Did get back inbounds, but we'll see if this is uh, if this is going to stand. They are reviewing it, and it does look like it might be official because they are throwing yeah. up the uh, scoring drive, and it does look like, yep, they're going for the extra point, and this is up, and it is good, and Arkansas is down by three. So oh, this baby. is – Now, look, okay, again, a little bit of life here. Uh, the heartbeat is pumping once more. <laughs> but here's the thing, and this goes back to what we talked about with LSU throughout this entire game – which is the missed opportunities and the issue that this team has faced. They have not been able to protect Jaden Daniels at all whenever he drops back to pass. I think he's been sacked about four times here. Um, this is what happens when you drag your feet in these spots, and people might call this a letdown spot. I think it might just be a situation of maybe LSU just isn't as good. They got a big win last week, and maybe they're just still the same team. Regardless, uh, this has been a choppy effort from LSU's offensive line and offense overall, and that's why you're only up by three here against uh, what is perceived to be a lesser opponent, and I would say is. JVT, it's uncanny how when we get to the last half hour of our show, you are inevitably sweating out a bet that you had that just comes right do it down for you to guys. the wire. Do it for I you know, guys. it's great content. You're taking sacrifices here for the good of the program. You got to love it. Uh, for both of our sakes, let's just hope that Arkansas loses this game by three. I'll cash in the live bet. You'll cash in the pre-flop plus three and a half on Arkansas. But you're right. I mean, LSU's offense, you've had many opportunities to take advantage. Arkansas has been gifting you time of possession, and you just can't do it. Again, the Razorbacks defense has been doing a stellar job, I suppose. But Brian Kelly's got to figure out something before it becomes real right now. And four and a half is the live line that I do see. Uh, 33 and a half for this total. And I probably look under 33 and a half. The juice is minus 125. But... I don't know. You think they're getting two touchdowns in this remaining spot in this game? We're already in the fourth. Uh, I, would, I would say at, at the pace that this game is being played, I would say absolutely not, to be quite honest with you, uh, the way that both of these offenses have been operated. But look, we'll say this. 
I mean, maybe Fortin does change things. Like, they scored because they had three big chunk plays that were not available to them at all. Now, one of them was a little bit bit lucky. Uh, The other, of course, was a really tight throw on the left sideline. Maybe Fortin is a little bit different here, but the difference is he's at least being aggressive, and that changes things for the way that this Arkansas offense is going to attack this LSU defense and what LSU has to get ready for. Because this has been a defense that's essentially been just playing everything in front of it. There's been no throws behind the secondary. There's been no throws behind the linebacking room uh, core for uh, for that matter. Uh, by the way, we should update this too. So Hendon Hooker, um, he was like, okay, you know what? Brady Cook, Dominic Lovett, that was a great catch and pass for 38 yards. Uh, let's do it our way. Jalen Hyatt, he's charged with running for like 67 of the 68 yards. But still, Hendon Hooker with a 68-yard touchdown pass. Two plays, 75 yards. Tennessee extended their lead back after giving up a touchdown in that third quarter. So it's 35-24. Missouri does have the ball right now. Uh, in-game-wise, I don't see a number with this on the board right now. So we'll give you an update as to where uh, that 15 stands. 15 and a half it popped up. Yeah, 15 and a half with a total by the way, of 80 and a half. So a relatively a high total uh, in this matchup between Tennessee and Missouri and the Volunteers doing everything possible to potentially take care of a their own letdown spot. Also, third and eight right now, I believe for DeVito and uh, Illinois. Right now, Purdue in-game a three-and-a-half point favorite, total of 51-and-a-half. So this is something that we were waiting for, right? Illinois, all throughout that first half, had been favored. They were a second-half favored. And now, sure enough, it is the Boilermakers who are now laying just over a key number of three-and-a-half. And now it's up to four-and-a-half in favor of Purdue as it disappears from the board. But Purdue off to a really good – has played very well, we'll say. And they have held Illinois down on these third downs. And a third-and-eight is coming up. We'll see if Illinois can convert this. But it's been a very poor effort yet again for Illinois' offense uh, in this spot. And uh, Tommy DeVito is going to throw an interception, by the way, but that might be a pass interference. We'll give you an update there. And the rest of these scores, Danny, before we move on, I mean, nothing has really stuck out incre- like incredibly. Duke, as we talked about, got off to that slow start, uh, trailing early against Virginia Tech. They have now taken control. Six minutes left to go, 24-7. They're a 17-and-a-half-point favorite in that game. And I guess I'll go here. Start of the fourth quarter, it is not a game that I've had my eyes on, but it's one that is very much worth pointing out. Notre Dame in that potential sleepy spot as a 17-point favorite on the road against the option team, they're having some trouble. It is now 35-24 with 15 minutes in this fourth quarter, so just getting started in the final frame. Uh, this did seem like a little bit of a tough situation, right? You get the big one over Clemson. Now you got to get ready for this option team, and they have not had um, the best time, at least in terms of stopping Navy, and now 14-and-a-half in game with a total of 69-and-a-half for the Irish. Hey, cash over 10-and-a-half second half, baby. Navy did it themselves. <laughs> for, those, for those who don't remember, we were checking the second half numbers, and it popped as second as 10-and-a-half, the second half total, uh, but shaded to the over at minus 650. So uh, I was scrambling to go and lay 650, and uh, it did not let me in, shockingly enough. <laughs> Would have nailed it, man. Uh, yeah, Notre Dame not making it too comfortable on themselves. Drew Pine is only thrown 17 times. Granny's he's completed 14 passes for 234 in the air. So it's really been huge chunk plays out of Notre Dame's passing game that's been giving them this huge lead. Um, I haven't kept an eye on this game, so I'm not going to speak too much from the in-game standpoint, but you and I, at least before kind of right as it went off, talked about liking a little bit more the side of taking 17 with Navy just because we're not completely convinced on this Notre Dame team. But every time we look to fade them, they find a way to kind of screw us. So, uh, yeah, not doing anything here, but we'll see if Navy can make it interesting. All right, before we take our break, I'll note some breaking news in the National Football League um, that is worth mentioning. The Steelers, I think this is Adam Schefter. This is not a paid-for verified account. This is actually Adam Schefter with 9.9 million followers. Um, They have activated linebacker T.J. Watt. 
but downgraded safety Minka Fitzpatrick to out for Sunday's game yeah. and also placed quarterback Will Jackson on the injured reserve list. So uh, just officially pointing that out there, the real Adam Schefter, not $8 Adam Schefter. All right, we'll take our break. <laughs> uh, when we come back, uh, Danny is uh, in the break going to fill out the form to subscribe to Twitter Blue so he can be officially verified, and then we'll get his thoughts on what is happening as we get into these fourth quarters for these games of the morning slate. we got to sweat on our hands out there in Arkansas. Remember, modern gun hunting season. Remember that. No more bows out there in Arkansas. They can shoot with bullets, and apparently home field advantage has been affected. Not so much so far. We'll come back. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying, Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That's my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> Bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my day. That's my day, <laughs> <laughs> Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zigazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Zigazoo is moderated by real live people who review content before it's posted on the feed. Oh, <laughs> I especially love the dance challenges. So much fun. Oh, and there's no comments or messaging, so you don't get any of that negativity that's all over other social networks. Oh, my friends love it. I love that it's Kids Safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Uh, that's great, but I wouldn't be doing Zigazoo if it wasn't fun. She would not be doing it if I didn't think her data was safe. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids! <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. The six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. This is Live Bet Saturday on VSEN, the sports betting network. Experience the thrills of Fight Night with Ariel Hawani and BetMGM. Just log into your account today to receive 
an Ariel Hawani parlay boost ticket. How about that, huh? For the fight at Madison Square Garden on November 12th, add a parlay wager on the MMA showdown to your bet slip to activate the token. Your parlay must have at least four legs and a maximum stake of $100. If your boosted wager hits, you'll boost your winnings by 20%. No opt-in is required. Just log into your BetMGM Sports account, and you'll automatically receive this parlay boost token. Go for the knockout with the king of sportsbooks. Visit betmgm.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager. Existing, uh, existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bet or site credits. And free bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Mississippi or Nevada. Before we return to... Uh, the scoreboards and uh, the closing gaps in some of these games and uh, what has become a weekly tradition of me sweating out a bet at the end means I'm always (laughs) in it, right? Um, Danny, I'll give the floor to you for our last pro tip of the day for at least you and I. Yeah, if you go back to our segment a little bit earlier in the show, we were doing the blind resumes with Heisman candidates, and we were just looking stat to stat, but looking at that and based on where the odds have it reflected – it's pretty clear that you shouldn't just base your Heisman off of what the statistics are looking like, right? I mean, we looked at Max Duggan, for example. His stats are incredible, yet he's 40 to 1. It doesn't mean he can't win, but you also have to consider the lay of the land, what the remaining schedule and the chances they could get in the national spotlight in a conference championship game may be. So consider the past opponents they've played and factor that into the narrative that's going to be set going forward. Like C.J. Stroud, for example, no, they haven't had the best schedule, but you know that they're going to get a chance to face a top team in Michigan. They'll probably win the Big Ten Conference Championship, and you already had that preconceived notion of him being the favorite for this award. Whereas Hooker, yeah, his stats are tremendous, but the chances they could get to the SEC Championship game and win it, obviously not set in the same dynamic. So uh, consider that as your pro tip when you're looking at Heisman Futures bets. I like it. All right, a couple of updates uh, for our crew out there, like everybody watching and listening. Uh, So first off, tie game, Illinois-Purdue. We are at 21 apiece, 113 left to go in the third quarter. Uh, So Illinois responding with a touchdown of their own from an in-game standpoint right now. Illinois, I got this uh, off the board as it sits. So we'll give you a current update because we did just get the extra point. So we're waiting for that thing to get updated. I got, okay, is that where, there it is. Two and a half in favor of Illinois with a total Mm -hmm. of 55 and a half. So this is what we discussed, right? And from a uh, second half standpoint, now we're all tied up. So um, Purdue still having the edge there. They're about a three, three and a half point underdog in the second half. So we'll see if Purdue can maybe respond yet again. Their offense has been humming along for the most part, despite only having 21 points, and it's been a good run for the Boilermakers. Also, Tennessee, since we last spoke, put on another one. Hendon Hooker to Fant for two yards and a touchdown. It was a three-play, 69-yard drive, and Tennessee has opened up a 42-24 lead. I think I just looked up, and uh, there was a uh, either a dropped interception or a turnover that failed of some sort because uh, there are – my favorite, it's when a player puts his hands on the side of his really big helmet because he's all upset that he messed something up. Um, that was the case there. But Tennessee does have the ball back first and 10, and they are a sizable 24.5-point favorite, total of 84.5 in this game against Missouri. Also, talked about LSU and Arkansas. Got to give the Arkansas defense credit. Uh, they have been, especially this front seven, they have been getting pressure on Jane Daniels this entire game. That allowed them to get LSU off the field. However, a quick three and out for the Arkansas offense and Cade Fortin, who is now in this game, for those who had missed it, the third-string quarterback is in for Arkansas. Uh, well, the LSU Tigers now have the ball back. So 8.57 left to go in the fourth. Again, 
Arkansas from a preflop standpoint is covering. And how about this? Uh, we are now looking at LSU as a three and a half point favorite, but a solid plus price of plus one thirty-five, total of thirty-one and a half. So I would say, Danny, I mean, given the way that this number is heading, there is a chance uh, that if we get another three, like get like a quick three and out here from LSU, this number might get under that two and a half point mark for LSU. And uh, not under two and a half. That's actually incorrect. I would say probably floating around three. We'll see if that's going to be the case for an in-game standpoint and see what Kate Fortin and the uh, Arkansas Razorbacks can do. But got to get a stop first. Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like best case, you probably get it at three. And then even if you're at three, they're going to charge you some juice on the side of LSU. That's kind of it's kind of the only problem there. Moneyline's still at minus $4, so you're certainly not going to get any value there. The book the bookmakers realize what's happening in this game. I mean, Arkansas has no offense really whatsoever. Neither does LSU, but you kind of put more stock in this Tigers team with Brian Kelly as coach, in which he got present with the third-string quarterback in Arkansas. Granted, he finally did move the ball. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know, man. I mean, I wouldn't want to lay the three in the hook with LSU, even though you're getting plus 135 because they haven't been able to do anything the entire game. What's going to change that right now? You're just sweating out, or at least I'm sweating out on the side of LSU. Their defense continuing to perform, and realistically, that's probably going to be the final outcome for that one. Uh, also, an injury update. Um, it does seem, because Na- Navy and Notre Dame, of course, still going at it. 35-24 the score there. About 10 minutes left to go in the fourth. Navy, a uh, 13.5-point underdog, total of 66.5. Xavier Arline, their quarterback, does seem went down with an injury. So it will keep you up to date on what is happening there. Uh, But right now, Navy is working on a cover. They are within 11 points, closing as a 16.5, 17-point favorite pre-flop. Also, Big 12 territory, Oklahoma on the road against West Virginia. Not the high-scoring affair a lot of people expected, but it is a 20-13 to 13 contest, about 15 minutes left to go in the fourth. So I guess this thing's just getting started in the fourth, watching it right now. Yes, it did just get started. West Virginia does have the ball and a second and 15. In-game right now, 7.5 in favor of Oklahoma with a total of 49.5. And, a half. and uh, you are my Big 10 guy, but I don't know how much analysis you can give me on 49-7 Ohio State, a 45.5-point favorite in-game. Here we go. Yeah, Ohio State finally <laughs> having a big win. Uh, we were kind of talking about this briefly, and there's not much to get excited about in this game, but we were saying maybe this is going to be the turnaround, even if it's just for one game, but for Ohio State to be like, all right, we kind of got to snap back in to playing like the team that we should be. The Northwestern game, yeah, it had all those weird weather conditions, but there have been some spots, I mean, at the beginning of Iowa, Right. And then at Penn State, even though Penn State is a ranked team, it hasn't been the most comfortable undefeated season thus far for Ohio State. C.J. Stroud, while, yes, he is the favorite to win Heisman, maybe not as dominant statistically as you would have expected, given the teams they faced on their schedule. So this is a huge win. This is a good win for Ohio State, knowing that this is what they should be doing more often. So now that they set that precedent against Indiana, we'll see what they can do going forward until they got to face the Wolverines, and which should be an eventful game, but in a game where I think Ohio State is the far better team. So uh, Kentucky had led 15-14 when they gave up a 12-play, 67-yard drive to Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt couldn't get in the end zone, and they put up a field goal to give themselves a 17-15 lead. The next play from scrimmage, Chris Rodriguez goes to the house, 72-yard run for a touchdown, and Kentucky converts the two-point attempt. So right now, the score, 21-17 in favor of Kentucky in this game. I've got a money line up right now, minus 350 in favor of the Wildcats, I'll give you an update on the spread. I think we got three and a half minus 275, so probably more like four or four and a half in favor of Kentucky uh, from an in-game standpoint once it actually gets posted. But Kentucky now leading 21-14, or 17, I should say, 
with about five minutes left to go in the fourth quarter there. And uh, the rest of the schedule in terms of scores holding up relatively strong, although I will point out, Danny, um, Connecticut has been leading throughout this pretty much this entire game. They now trail 33-28 to Liberty with about uh, 14 minutes left to go in the fourth quarter. All right, really quick, we haven't given a lot of time to some of these later games in the day. Uh, we did discuss your play. Uh, you bet Auburn money line. Am I putting words in your mouth or that's what you got? No, you nailed it. Minus 115 on the side of Auburn. Look, I, I wasn't really enamored with this late. I, as I've said before, kind of like some of these in-game situations. But if there's one of these situational spots that I think you could give a little bit more uh, conviction toward, it's got to be Auburn with Cadillac Williams stepping in as interim coach. You saw the speech he gave after their loss in overtime. These guys are going to fight to the very end for him, right? I, I mean, they know what they have ahead of them. And Texas A&M on the other side was a team where the expectations were through the roof as they typically are, and especially with Fisher there. And man, their season took a terrible turn for the worse. And now they're probably just to that point where it's like, what are we doing? I mean, some of the top guys at this point are just concerned about their draft stock and maybe where they're going to transfer and what's the future of Jimbo Fisher. I just think the state of Texas A&M is in disarray right now. And Auburn is gross as it is, as ugly as the season has been. They at least can rally around each other in this home spot against a very vulnerable Aggie squad. So yeah, I laid minus a buck 15 on the money line with the Auburn Tigers. Yeah. So later today I did lay three and a half with Wake Forest uh, against North Carolina. And uh, look, Wake Forest has been, uh, we'll say, unlucky to a certain extent, although some of this is their fault. 11 turnovers over the course of two games is some negative variance that I don't think is going to stick. And North Carolina is still a team that comes into this game 114th in the country in EPA per play defensively. And I still think that there's a pretty good offense here for Wake Forest. So this number's up to 4.5. They bottomed out at 3.5 late earlier in the week with the Demon Deacons. And to think that that variance is going to bounce back in their favor here at home against North Carolina. And Heisman contender Drake May. Brilliant tackle by the Arkansas secondary to force a fourth and short. We'll see if they can stop him here. Danny, it's always a lot of fun, buddy. I'm off next weekend, so we'll talk again soon, but good luck tonight. Yes, sir. You too, my man. All right, we'll be done with Live Bet Saturday, at least between Danny and myself, but the guys are going to keep it rolling here on Visa and the Sports Betting Network. See ya. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids like yours, and all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- craft month with the perfect pizza at home class from craftsy and anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds... It was shocking. I have to know, what were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. 
United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. Hey, this is John Ridley. And this is Matt Carey, documentary editor at Deadline. And welcome to Talk Talk. John, we've got a hard-hitting episode today. A lot of controversy. Well, maybe we should put the word controversy in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for Best Documentary Feature. We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists. You get a shot, but the individuals behind every one of those images, they're complicated and they are human. This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great conversation. Thank you. 